the notes. We, we're, in, we're, in chapter, we're in chapter 10, and um, uh, so as we, got, as we got through a part of this here in chapter 10, we looked at the appearance of the angel there in the first four verses of chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10. We looked at those first four verses, and we talked about the appearance of the angel. Now, I'm not going to go back all, all over that, but you know, the, the controversy we talked about is that there are some who believe the angel is another angel, as the Scripture says. But as you read that and you see the description of that angel, it sure sounds a lot like the way the Lord Jesus was described when He was seen in, in, in heaven. And so some... You can draw a line down the middle, basically, and you got great men, great pastors, great commentators on this side who say it's an angel. You got great men and great pastors and great commentators on this side who say it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. I read the verses, I study it, and and the last time I told you, I'm really convinced it's the Lord Jesus. I'm reading and studying today, and I go, I don't know. Maybe it's just an angel. So I don't know, and and I don't know that it matters as far as our study goes. But you know, you look at it. We're always wanting to. We want to know definitively. Well, I don't know that we can know definitively, but uh, we see this angel, and if it's the Lord Jesus. What we'll see uh, later as we get into to chapter, uh, or later in this, we're just going to see there's some things that maybe in the way John approaches him, maybe, we, maybe it's not the Lord Jesus, maybe it is an angel, but, but we'll look. Um, the second thing we're going to look at here, we looked at the appearance of the angel, then we're going to look at the announcement from the angel. So verses 5 through 7, The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever. Now, the first question would be, well, why would the Lord swear by himself? Or why would he swear by God? Well, God's done that before in Scripture, okay? So when you can't swear by anything greater, he would swear by himself, right? So God did that in Genesis twenty-two sixteen. He says, I, swore by my, I swear by myself. There was no one greater. There was nothing greater to swear by. Hebrews 6, 13, God swore by his own name. Um, so, so he swore, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it. And they sh- uh, that they should be delayed or, or that there should be no de- uh, delay no longer. Boy, I butchered that. That sounded like me in the wedding ceremony yesterday. Blah, 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 blah. That there should be no de- be delayed no longer. Okay, verse 7. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Now, this solemn scene begins as Christ lift his hands, if it's Christ, and I'm going to stick with that because that's where I was at a few weeks ago, and I still kind of lean that way, but if this is Christ, if it's an angel, whoever, the angel raises his hands, he lifts his hands and affirms that there will be delay no longer. Now, what that's talking about, when you read that, some have taken that, that there should be, no, be delay no longer. Uh, there, was, there are some translations that use the word time there. There'll be time no longer. And, and it's, not, it's not an end of time. That's not that time is ceasing. We know better than that, right? We're, we're at this point, we're halfway through the tribulation, which means we've got another how many years of tribulation? Three and a half years of tribulation. What follows the tribulation? Thousand-year millennium. So, so you got the millennium. We've got a thousand more years. So we know that time continues for another thousand and three and a half years. Okay? So this is not speaking of an end of time where time ceases there, that God is ending the time. Um, 
the souls under the altar had asked back in chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, had asked how long, how long before, Lord, you deal with this? How long before you make this right? And the answer is now given that there is to be delay no longer. That's what he's talking about here. Not that there'll be no time any longer, but there'll be no delay any longer. So scoffers, even today, they take this approach. They've been saying it since the Lord went, went, uh, ascended into heaven, and they've been saying it ever since, and they say it even today. Where is the promise of His coming? For since the, the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 2 Peter 3, 4. Scoffers would look at that, and they look at it today and say, Oh, yeah, you've been saying the Lord's coming back. You've been saying that all this time. You've been saying that. Well, the Lord is, is, is it's here. And this is what this angel is declaring, that there will be no delay any longer. This, this present period of delay is the sinner's opportunity for salvation. You know, really for us today, when we look around, folks, again, why, why, why do we study Revelation? Why do we study the Revelation? I mean, we want to know what's coming at the end, but I don't want to know it because I'm going to be here. Really, this, this, should, this should fill us with awe of the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty. Amen? His plan that we see this. But it also should stir our hearts evangelistically. Man, I don't want anybody to go through this. I, I, do you want to go through this? Yeah, you know, I like, I like to ride out a storm. This ain't going to be no storm. It's ain't gonna be a Cat Three hurricane. This is this is gonna be this is gonna this is gonna be the worst thing that's ever happened. I don't want to go through this, and uh, so as we read this, it ought to stir us to to be to be diligent about every opportunity to share a track, share the gospel, tell someone about the Lord. Amen. We should that should motivate us this that way. And uh, this time even now, but this time that we're looking at right here, what, what is being said at that time right there, this delay, any delay in this, but the Lord's full wrath is an opportunity for salvation. So Christ states that in the, day, the, the days of the uh, seventh trumpet sound, and we're going to see that in chapter 11, verse 15 through 19, that God's going to finish His program. The plan that He has in place is going to be finished. So the term mystery that we see in verse 7 means a hidden truth from God. When we see that, it's a mystery. It's something that, it, 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 it's, it, it's something that has been, not been revealed to man yet. Mortal man cannot understand why sin and suffering are in the world and, and why honest saints suffer while the rebellious sinners go free. A lot of people struggle with that. Why do the, good, why do the, the, the wicked prosper and the good are, 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 are go through difficult times? Uh, we, we can struggle with that. We shouldn't. We shouldn't, as we grow in our faith, we shouldn't be distracted by those things. We shouldn't, certainly shouldn't be distracted by seeing the godless prosper. I mean, that shouldn't, that just should not concern us or worry us. Uh, it, you know, and I, t I think I mentioned Sunday, how people struggle sometimes. You know, my mother, my grandmother, 90 years old, why did God take her? Well, she's 90 years old. You know, we're, we're not going to live forever. These things, part of life for us is death. It is approaching. Unless the Lord comes back, we're all going to face death. And um, so... Uh, people struggle with understanding this. And, and so, but here's what we, we can be sure that, that God will straighten these things out and fulfill His promise. He's going to do what He has promised to do. There's nothing going to be left undone. 
He's going to take care of everything. And we look at chapter 11, verse 18. We're not there yet, but chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 18, we can take some comfort when we read this verse. It said, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, uh, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. That ought to encourage us right there. It ought to, you know, we, we know what's going to happen. We know what's coming in the end. We know how God's going to bless and how God's going to work. And, 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 man, the unrighteous will be judged. And the righteous will be rewarded. I mean, it's, it's a, it's gonna, it's a, it, we can take comfort in knowing what's coming. When we look at chapter 11, verse 18, we see that. Some think that the mystery of God is contained in the contents of, of the little book. And, and perhaps it is. But uh, this much we do know. God is in control of history and it would ultimately see to it that right wins over wrong. What right is going to triumph, okay? So number three thing we'll look at here is the appropriation of the book. Verses 8 through 11, the appropriation of the book. Verse 8 says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. Now, if you're like me as you read that, now I'm reading this and I go, Okay, it seems strange that he would approach the Lord Jesus in this way, right? It also seems strange that he would approach a, a mighty angel in this way. So when I think of that, I go, okay, John has been told what to do. A voice from heaven that I would assume is God has spoke to him and says to go get the book. And uh, so go take the little book which is opened in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again uh, uh, about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So it's uh, here's the thing when we look at this. It's not enough... For John to see the book in Christ's hands or the angel's hands here, it's not enough for him to see the book. And it's not even enough for him to know what the content of the book is. Okay? He's got to own it. He's got he's to ingest this truth. He's got to take what's in the book and get it in him. And, and, and when he's talking about here this eating the book, it's not literally talking about eating the book. I don't know if I share with y'all, my, when I first went into ministry, my pastor, he was a, he was a fiery guy. He was a, uh, uh, he was, fiery is probably the right word, very passionate. And when he first got saved, he heard his pastor, when he first started going to church, he heard his pastor talking about, you got to get the word of God into you. You got to get the word into you. You got to eat the word. You got to get it into you. And he said, he said, I went home and I started tearing off parts of my Bible and I'm eating them. Man, are you that dumb? What it? But it. But that's you know. He was de- zealous. He was de- he was like zealous, man. I'm. I want to do what. If that's what I got to do to get it in me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it in me. So, 
Um, that's not it's not what is being said here. It's a it's it's a picture of getting the word into us, into our minds. And so it's not enough for John to see the book. It's not enough for him to even know what's in the book. He's got to get the book in it. He's got to own it. He's got to make it a part of himself. Jeremiah 15, 6 says this says, your words were found and I ate them and your word was in me. Uh, your word was to me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So this, this, he ate it. He, he didn't, he didn't, he's not saying he literally ate the word and all of a sudden, you know, he ate it. I wish we could learn by osmosis, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd put my Bible, I'd sleep on my Bible every night if I could just lay my head on it and it'd just soak in. That would be awesome if we could get it by osmosis. If we could get it by ingestion, you know, eating the pages, I would do that. But it doesn't work that way. It's not what the Bible is saying here. What the Bible is saying, what, what the picture is here is, is, is this idea of getting the nutrients, getting the good out of it. we got to get in the Word of God and read it. But not just... It's not just enough to see this book, folks. Yeah, it's over there on my nightstand. Not enough to see it. It's not even enough, good enough to know what's in it. We got to get in it. And we got to get it in us. And that's when it makes a change in us. And that's what is happening here. John needs the Word of God to change him and impact him. It needs to be a part of him because God's saying, you're, you, you're, gonna, you're still going to prophesy it says again, it's prophesy against many peoples, but I believe that the context here is he's going to prophesy still to many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. He's going to be before him. He's going to prophesy. He's going to speak truth. But you can't speak truth if you ain't got truth. Amen? Amen. How, can you, how can you speak of the love of God if you don't understand the love of God? I hear, you know, I'm not saying here because I, I wouldn't be here, but there have been times in my 20 four years of ministry where I've heard people talk about God. They don't have a clue in the world what they're talking about. Well, God, and they're speaking non-truths, things that aren't in Scripture. And, and, and it's, you're speaking lies. You give people false hope. I mean, think about prosperity, the whole prosperity gospel thing. It's just a bunch of lies. And so then people don't know the truth of Scripture, so they're thinking one thing and they see another and they go, well, God let me down. He didn't do what they said God would do. So we gotta, we got to understand truth. we got to get it in us. And it's this picture of eating the Word to get it in us. And um, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Now, uh, folks, if that were the testimony of each one of us, wouldn't that be a great testimony? You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Do we really treat the Bible like what it is? Do we reverence it? This is not a man-made book. This is the Word of God from, 
first letter of first verse to last period, exclamation mark, parenthesis, whatever. The last mark of the last book, every bit of this, is God-inspired. It is His Word for us. Do we really look at it that way? And I think, I mean, if we saw some book miraculously come down, I mean, we would want it, right? I mean, people, people, look at how people treated Harry Potter books. I can proudly say I've never read a single word of a Harry Potter book. I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. And if you have, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not looking down at you. I'm just very proud that I haven't wasted any of my life on that. I've wasted it on a lot of other things. But, I don't, but you look at the way people acted about those Harry Potter books. Man, they would, they would get in line and wait in line for, for, I mean, big old lines to get a Harry Potter book. We have the Word of God. We need, to, we need to think about that and approach it that way. See, the Word of God is our food. It's our food. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is our food. This is our spiritual food. Um, you know, I looked, I watched tonight a little bit. Uh, we ain't missing meals, are we, folks? We ain't missing meals. And we, we had some folks that love some sloppy joes tonight. Dave, I hope you worked hard today, man. Did. You did? Good. You're good, good, because you're going to have to work them off. I, I saw Dave was up there three times. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying. We, we don't miss a meal. We're going to make sure we've, we feed the body, right? But do we feed our, do we feed our spirit the same way? Do, do, we, do, we, do we give our, our, our spiritual being what we need through the Word of God? Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So we must take it in and assimilate it before we can... Uh, you know, before it's going to be any good for us or, or, or even to us in our life. We can read something, but if we don't really internalize it, if we don't really apply it. I, I preached a message. I don't know if you all remember the message I preached. Well, you wouldn't because a lot of you weren't here then. But I preached a message on, um, I think it was about, it was about application in, in James. And, and the, the, you know, the, the, some, one of the illustrations was, I can go to the store and buy a gallon of paint. And you can sit in my garage, it don't do a bit of good. I can spend all that time picking out the color. I can, you know, go to mix it up and all that and take it home. I put it down, it has done a bit of good. What has to happen for that to, to be good? What do you got to do with it? You got to apply it. Absolutely. You got a rash. You, get a, you go to the doctor and they say, oh, this cream right here, take care of it. Oh, good. I got, the, I got this prescription. I go home, I put it on the counter. You go back in two weeks, doctor says, your rash is still there. Well, you, well, I've got the prescription. Well, what are you doing with it? Well, it's on the counter. You, you know, I got the prescription. No, 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 you have to apply it. The same way with the Word of God. We have to apply it. Just to read it isn't enough. We have to, we got to get it in us. We got we to embrace it as what it is, the Word of God. Let it get in us and then let it work through us. Harry Ironside said, if you consistently... I'm, I'm sorry, if you conscientiously undertake to walk in the truth revealed, you too will know something of its bitterness. 
We need the bitter as well as the sweet. And every soul who has walked in the truth as God has revealed it to him has found at, le- at last the blessedness of obedience. I mean, when we follow the Word of God and we live by the Word of God, it is sweet. And there is bitterness to it. Um, it, is, it is good to read the Bible and to study the Bible, but we also need to memorize the Bible. We need to uh, digest it inwardly through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the eating of the little book had a two-edged effect on John. It was sweet to his taste and it was bitter in his stomach. So we enjoy the blessings of the Word, but we must also feel the burdens of the Word. As we're studying it, we're going to feel that. John was blessed to know that God would fulfill his promises, but he felt bitterness as he realized the sufferings that would take place during the next three and a half years of tribulation. So as we study the Word, I mean, is there bitterness that we, as we read the Word? There, I mean, there's nothing sweeter than the Word of God. But even now, we, we know this truth, this truth. The, 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 the sweetness of the gospel that saved my soul. But the bitterness of it is for anyone who rejects that, anyone who fails to respond to the gospel, they're going to go to hell. That's not sweet and joyous, but it's truth and it's righteous. And, and when God judges, it'll be righteous judgment. Amen? So it's, it's the, the word is sweet, and the, the word that has saved me, man, is so sweet. But we read this, and we see the things that are happening. We've talked about already, what, uh, by today's numbers, we're at, we're at 4 billion people? No. Around the world? No, no, no. Oh, by today's number, the people that died. I'm sorry. I didn't finish. I didn't make that clear. No, we got about 8 billion, right? So by the point where we're at now in this study, we're at half. There was a third. And there was a quarter, and then there was a third, which when you add that up, it's half of the world's population. Roughly, by today's numbers, about 4 billion people have perished in this time. It's bitter when we look at this. So this digesting of the Word prepared John for his continued ministry as a prophet. And that's a great lesson for us as witnesses You know, how tragic it is when we try to serve the Lord and speak for Him without first taking time to ingest and digest His Word. Folks, it's so important that we get in it and we get it in us, okay? And and I don't know, if if you've ever witnessed, if you've ever tried to witness to people, it's amazing how God will bring a verse to your mind, but He does not work magic in that. If you ain't put it in your mind, you can't recall it. But if you've put it in your mind... You don't have to have the scriptures with you. The Lord can bring a verse to your mind that you go, wow, where'd that come from? You know, wow, that was, that was, the Lord gave me exactly what I needed right there. You couldn't have planned it better, but you got to put it in you so that you can get it out and, and use it when it's needed. So um, how can we share with others truths that we've not fully embraced ourselves? I think it's why a lot of people don't witness because I think there's a lot of people, believers, who aren't really believers. I believe there's a lot of people that aren't truly born again. They don't, because if they really understood the fact of what they had been saved from and the fact that people around them are lost and going to hell, there would be a, a real urgency on that. So folks, we got we to look at that. Where am I at in this? Am I, am I, am I really passionate about the Word of God? Am I passionate about getting it in me? Am I passionate about sharing it with other people? Right now, we have a great opportunity 
And uh, I say this, if you, again, like we talked about Sunday, if you know of needs, call the church. Call Kristen. She's keeping a, a, a list of, of things that are available to us. But don't feel like, I mean, we're not sitting here going, all right, all right well, no, 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 don't do that. We want you, we're going to try to coordinate from the, the standpoint of the church. Man, if you see a need, jump all over it. Go help somebody. Man, if you do a little something for them, give them a ride, take them a meal, share the love of God with them. you got a great opportunity right now to be the hands and feet of our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we'll get to chapter 11 next week, and we're going to look at the ministry. We'll look through uh, verses 1 through 14 next week, and we'll look at the two witnesses, the ministry of the two witnesses. So there's where we'll be. All right.